Welcome to the Wealthy Life Podcast. So glad to have you join us on today. Well, we've got some special things today that we have planned just for you. We're going to be sharing our hot topics. We've got a wealth thought, and then we're going to be talking about living a wealthy life. And what are the four things that we think are very, very critical for you to do that on today? I'm so glad to be a part of a great team that's running the Wealthy Life Podcast uh, with me today is Aiden and Malcolm, and we're going to give them a chance to do a little introduction. Go ahead, Aiden. Hey, guys. So my name is Aiden. You can follow me on Twitter at The Money Avenger. Um, I'm here to speak about finance, helping people get ready for retirement, talk about general things of stocks and cryptocurrency. Good deal. And we've got Malcolm with us. Go ahead, Malcolm. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Malcolm. You can follow me on all social media at, at bmalcolm21. Uh, my main thing I really work with is marketing online and in person, direct and indirect, and I help people diversify their income. Good deal. Well, that's exciting. We're so glad to have uh, the team together. We're doing this podcast, and we want to take some time today to introduce this to you so that you can understand fully what our full purpose is with doing the Wealthy Life Podcast. You know, we're gonna start off today, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world that are impacting us in great ways. And so we've got some hot topics that we would like to talk about that I believe are relevant to the discussion of living a wealthy life. And we're gonna turn over to Aiden to lead us into these hot topics. Go ahead, Aiden. Yeah, 100%. So I couldn't wait to talk about some of these talk topics with you guys. The number one topic I really wanted to talk with you guys about is the current shipping crisis that we're dealing with in the world, right? So just kind of want to hear what everyone's thoughts are about that. How is it affecting you, affecting um, the overall country and finance? So Dwayne, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, one of the things that I find very essential since I'm really heavy in stocks and investing, I always look at how things are affecting uh, the ability for companies to keep their cost of goods down. One of the things that's important as a stock investor, and I don't wanna to get too, too technical, but if you invest in stocks and you really are into uh, analysis, you pay attention to gross margins. And part of the gross margin, which, well, let me say this real quick. Gross margin is how much does a company retain from its revenues? So when I look at, let's say Apple, for instance, because it happened to Apple recently, because they're having supply chain issues, uh, their freight costs have increased. When a company's freight costs increase, it costs their cost of goods to go up. Now, in order to get gross margin, you have to subtract cost of goods from revenue. So when your cost of goods increases, which is what's happening to Apple, revenue decreases. Therefore, the gross margin drops. When Apple reported its earnings, it told the uh, world that in the fourth quarter, which we're sitting in right now, they expected that their gross margins may drop even more because of supply chain issues. So this supply stuff is creating a major problem. When they made that announcement, the stock for Apple dropped for a couple of days. The same thing happened to Amazon and it's happening to Walmart and it's happening to Target, companies that are depending on the, the freight uh, chain that we have in the world to bring supplies into the country. So it's a huge problem that we have right now with the supply chain issues because 
these companies are having to see in co increased costs for freight. It's taking a longer time to get products. Uh, and Walmart for Christmas has even uh, rented out special freight liners to try and get the products in their stores on time. So the bigger the company, the more uh, places that they operate, the more this supply chain stuff is going to be a problem. And it's going to be a problem for a little while because, uh, of course, these companies had shut down a lot of their plants where these products were being produced in, in China and specifically in Asia as a whole. And so it's hard to get those products into the United States and around the globe. And so we're seeing supply chain issues everywhere. That's the the uh, the most what I see uh, as far as supply chain issues go. Yeah, and I'll, um, sorry to cut you off, Malcolm, before, before you jump in there. I just don't think people realize how it's affecting the day-to-day -day people. People are saying that if you don't do your holiday shopping early this year, there's gonna be nothing left in December, right? So I don't think a lot of people are realizing that. Also, like with the new iPhone that just came out, you spoke about Apple. There's people still waiting on their new phone right just because uh -huh. they can't get it yet right but um so i just don't think the day-to-day -day people are realizing how severe this is because holiday season we're gonna wipe out a lot of our inventory we might go into next year um early next year with some trouble right and um people really need to start bracing themselves for it not to scare everyone but yeah and malcolm i know you had something you wanted to say go ahead yeah, just something small. I was in the same boat. I didn't really realize that it would even affect me until I uh, got into e-commerce last month and tried to get my first physical product. So to get the samples and everything and all the new inventory that we're about to start launching for our new product, um, the ocean shipping has been crazy. So some of the stuff that we were trying to order wasn't going to come until next year, like February. So we had to end up switching to like over the air, which has been way more expensive because a lot of people are doing more over there shipping and get their products sooner. So I've just noticed like a price change and paying for shipping, trying to get physical products from China to sell in the United States. So uh, that's what I've noticed with the shipping stuff and the whole crisis that the prices have gone up, just like Dwayne said, because of everything going on. And, and what's crazy from what Malcolm is just saying, See, if you had a set price in mind that you were gonna charge for a product, and now you had to switch from freight liners to air travel, and there's increased cost of goods, if you leave your price the same, it's going to affect gross margins because now the revenue that you retain from the sale ain't the same because your cost of goods increase. And if you raise your price, you could price yourself right out of the market. So this is a, big issue especially for small business owners who are trying to find the right price at the same time make income on what it is they're selling so supply chain issues are affecting people up and down reason is is because manufacturing has left North America pretty much and manufacturing is in Asia now and so because so much of the manufacturing is there we're at the uh, we're hostage to what's happening in Asia uh, as it relates to uh, manufacturing companies being able to get these products made and shipped out on time. And it's just not working right now. It's crazy. Yeah. And then people, it's easy to say COVID or easy to say inflation, but once those um, prices start increasing for just delivering product, now we have to pay labor more and we have to increase the price more. And that is part of the reason why 
everything's so expensive today. When you go to the supermarket, you're looking just to get produce or meat, the price has gone up. If you're looking just to buy cereal, buy milk, things like that, the product went up, the price went up. So um, super, super important. Moving on to our next hot topic. I know, I know a lot of people are talking about this on social media. People are talking about their ship coins and all this stuff like that. What do you guys think of the most recent uh, crypto bull run that we're in right now with Bitcoin kind of doubling in price since July, Ethereum, and a lot of these other coins just shooting up with um, over 100% gains in just a short amount of time. What do you guys think about that? Well, I'll go first and let uh, Dwayne finish it out. I'm not as much into it, but I've been seeing it and I've seen a lot of people make a lot of money. I just think it's very interesting, the new wave of um, kind of not needing a bank and putting all your money in cryptocurrency and that you can gain way more than you would lose to interest and, um, well, not interest, but inflation through having it in a savings account. So it's just very interesting to me. I'm trying to dive into it uh, as we're talking about it over these last couple of weeks and earlier this year. Uh, just It's just an interesting craze. I didn't know much about cryptocurrency besides Bitcoin, and now there's hundreds of coins that you can invest in and uh, make money with. So it's just overall just interesting to me. Yeah, I think this is, uh, you know, I come at this from a little different angle. I think the way I, I look at this, I'm paying attention to the, the uh, blockchain. So you're finding companies, Bitcoin creates, the, the, the founders of Bitcoin create this blockchain that uh, is extremely popular because now you have a third uh, leg involved so that now I don't need to go to a banker or anybody like that uh, to make sure that my stuff is in balance. And so in other words, the bank doesn't have such a big hand in what uh, happens with my money one way or the other, therefore keeping me from being in control of my own finances. So what Bitcoin has created uh, has just exploded as people are starting to get more aware of the fact of the change that's happening in the world. So now, even though they're not talking about it, Square and other companies are adopting this same blockchain mindset as it relates to their products. Uh, and you, so, so uh, what they're seeing that the world is saying, we want to be able to exchange cash without having to go through a bank. So Square has Cash App and, and you can do it even now with other other things that are being created all the time. So what it's doing is, is causing more people to see if we can come into the crypto area, the altcoin area, we can typically control our own financial destinies. There's no way for people to keep us out. So at the same time that this is all blowing up and getting big, the thing that's the downside is that when Bitcoin was created, the creator also decided that as time went on, they would make it harder for people to mine crypto. And therefore, it would be a little bit more fair, but the early guys in could mine it, make more money. The later you got in, the less you'd be able to mine. Now, institutional investors are trying to come in the crypto space now and eat up because it's only going to be 24 million, I think it's 24 million crypto, I mean, Bitcoins. And it's supposed to be by 2140, there'd be no more mining of Bitcoin. We've got 17 million Bitcoins in circulation now, I believe it is. And there's only going to be 24. So when you look at this, what's happening is the uh, re sad reality 
is that if you're not aware of what's happening, you're going to be late to the game and you're going to miss the biggest wealth transfer that's happening. Because once all the crypto that's being made in these particular big ones like Bitcoin and Ethereum are out there, we're just going to be trading the same coins. And so it's going to be value on demand. So if people really want it, then the price is going to be going up. And so the, the quicker you get into these great ones that exist, like the Bitcoins and the Ethereums that have real reasons to exist in an economy, uh, it's the smarter you are. I think to pay no attention to the price of Bitcoin and Ethereum, I think you get into the technology, the blockchain that exists, and that's the reason to invest in it. Pay no attention to the price, get in, because this is literally the changing of the way in which we handle money in the world. And uh, you're just not smart if you're not doing it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And um, I just want to give a little story of like how this technology helped me out. I'm in the process of closing a home and um, I needed my deposit like right away on the spot to kind of get my offer accepted. If I went to the bank, I would have failed because the bank would have made me wait three to five days with Bitcoin. I was able to do it in less than 12 hours, right? So that is what helped me um, close. Well, I'm still in the process, but get the offer accepted on the home that I'm closing on now. And Dwayne, just because, you know, I don't want anyone attacking you, right? I just wanted to correct you on what you said about Bitcoin. It's actually 21 million that could be in circulation. Oh, in 21, not yeah, 24. 21. Good. Yes, say what? Just because you know how some of these guys on the internet are, they'll come attack you in the comments. <laughs> I, I appreciate I you covering me. <laughs> I got you, man. So we're 17 now, and there's only going to be 21, and that's not a lot. That's yeah. not a lot. So we're just going to keep exchanging that same amount, and as pe more people want it, you're going to pay more for it, and that's important. 100%, 100%. Yeah, so guys, get in now while you can, right? I know, I know everyone wants the new Doge I and SHIB and those other coins, but get into some of the big players now first before dabbling into that stuff. That way you can get some real skin in the game that's going to build that wealth five, ten years from now, right? Because I strongly believe 90% of these coins won't be around in five, ten years. But some of these bigger ones, the Bitcoins, the Ethereums, maybe even the Solanos will be around here for 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 some time to come but um that was it for the hot topics um that's gonna good. pass it right back to you Dwayne. yeah that's good stuff you know we we appreciate it i hope that uh, you're seeing uh the importance of just the things that we're discussing and on a weekly basis we plan to consistently talk about hot topics that are happening in the world today and to give you a perspective that might expand the way in which you view these things. And today we were able to do that. We appreciate uh, Aiden for uh, bringing that to us. We're going to now go and switch over to a wealth thought. So we want to share some quote uh, with you and just give our perspective on the quote. This is all intended. Again, everything we're doing on the Wealthy Life podcast is to, first of all, help broaden your perspective, give you access maybe to someone, some information, something that's going to give you the ability to build, live, and sustain wealth. And so Malcolm is going to share with us our wealth thought for the day. Yeah, for sure. So a quote that I've seen a lot growing up and y'all might have seen as well is a quote by Confucius, who was a philosopher. So the quote is, he who says he can and he who says he can't are both usually right. 
And this is something that stuck out to me because it's when you're building your wealth and you're starting your wealth journey, you're trying to be more financially stable and financially conscious, you have to be in the mindset that it's actually possible. Like the first step in creating any type of wealth and changing your life, it starts with your mindset over how much money you have or how much money you have to get started. It starts with your mindset and how you're gonna be thinking about the things that you're trying to accomplish. So uh, I think it really helped a lot of people out there if they realize if they just believe that they can and start putting the steps in to make it happen, that it can actually be something that can be the reality. Uh, but a lot of people limit themselves on what they can do. So the same person that says they can't do something won't be able to do something, but the same person says they can will be able to do it. So it all starts with within in your head and your mindset. And I just think everybody needs to realize that out there and that can really help some people if they realize it's up to them what their life is going to be. Um, do y'all, you guys have any thoughts on that quote? Have y'all heard it before? I definitely heard it before. Um, it's don't, don't mean to go down like the spiritual road, but <laughs> it's kind of like speaking things into like existence, right? When, yeah. um, if, if you say you can do something, it'll make it happen. If you beat yourself up and say you can't, you're not going to do it. Right. It's just speaking those words into existence, the law of attraction, all that good stuff. Um, uh, and one good quote, definitely heard the quote before. Um, definitely a classic quote, uh, quote, um, anyone out there who's starting anything, it doesn't even have to be a finance or a business or anything, right? Love yourself, treat yourself correctly, right? Speak those encouraging words to yourself and you'll be able to get through, right? But if you speak negative upon yourself, you're definitely going to hinder that process. That's good. You know, I, I uh, the, when you were reading the quote or quoting it, the word that kept standing out to me is you. If you say you can, if you say you can. And I think sometimes we're so focused on other people and what they say and how they think about us and what their opinion. And we're in a social media age, unfortunately, we spend so much time trying to get liked and trying to get shared that we don't take enough time to think about what we think about ourselves and what we think about what we had on and what we think about the video we shot and stuff like that. So I think it's very important that you really take time to analyze how you view your own belief concerning what you're trying to do. As we're trying to build a wealthy life, it's do you believe you can? Do you believe that you can go after this business, this project that you're doing, and you can make it happen? So I think your mindset is critical. Your attitude about how you approach things is good. That's a real, real a good quote to consider yeah and that's all i really have for that uh what everybody i want everybody to get from it is to just believe that you can whatever it is and then start taking the steps and then from there things will get easier once you get the ball rolling but i'll swing it back to you Dwayne, to get into our four parts of building a wealthy life that's good you know i'm telling you this is uh you may not i don't know if you you know as you get to connect with us here on the Wealthy Life podcast, there's some things that you're going to find very, very consistent. One is that three of us are very passionate about what we're doing. First of all, we're very passionate about building wealth. We love the opportunity to share what we're uh, passionate about. But more than anything, before we're sharing it, we're very passionate about living it. We're very passionate about uh, having it for ourselves. I don't. I really want to see my life and my family impacted by the decisions that I've made. And so connecting with Malcolm and Aiden have been a tremendous thing uh, to do because to find three people who are like-minded when it comes to how you envision wealth and how you see yourself building it and living a wealthy life, 
uh, has been absolutely refreshing, especially when I'm in a different generation than Malcolm and Aiden, but we see this stuff, uh, whether we're looking at things 30 years ago or we're looking at things today, we see it the same way and it's exciting. So what we wanna do now, we want to talk specifically about uh, why the wealthy life and we've got some things, four things that are very essential and important to us as it relates to the wealthy life that we're gonna talk about. And these are, I, I call them foundational building block things that you have to do if you're gonna live a wealthy life. It is so unfortunate that the world we live in today, so many people say they want something, but because we're, we're in such a big dream, uh, we don't necessarily pay attention to the small pieces that are necessary so that the dream can come to pass. So right now, we're gonna talk a little bit about the small pieces. And the first small piece, which is a principal tenet for what we believe here at the Wealthy Life Podcast is, if you're going to build, live, and sustain a wealthy life, you've got to get out of bad debt and use good debt to build wealth. So you gotta get out of bad debt use good debt to build wealth. I'm gonna share a little bit of what that means and uh, my partners are gonna chime in as well on this subject matter so that we can help you today begin to take the necessary steps to start building, living, and sustaining a wealthy life. So let me talk a little bit about getting out of bad debt. Often, um, we don't have a concept of what bad debt or good debt is. There is debt, but debt can be helpful and debt can be detrimental. So I'm gonna talk about the detrimental aspect of debt for just a moment. Let's just say, for instance, you go down to Best Buy and you say, I wanna purchase this computer, and this computer costs you $2,000 to buy, and you could you just want a computer, and you've got this credit card that you've had, and your credit card charged you 17.9% interest, but you decide, I'm going to use my entire balance on this credit card to buy this computer. So you put this $2,000 computer on your credit card that has 17.9% interest rate. Now, most people, unfortunately, when a credit card statement comes in the mail, they read it and it says, this is the total amount due, but here's your minimum payment due. That minimum payment is 3% of the balance. So if I stay there, uh, it, well, the minimum payment is usually th less than 3% of the balance, depending upon your credit card. But if I stay there with the scenario that I just gave you, $2,000, 17.9% interest, and I only pay the minimum payment on it, it'll take me 13 years and nine months to pay off a little more than $3,600 on that credit card. Now, one of the reasons why this is true and why it's bad debt is because credit card is the only type of debt that is typically compound interest debt, meaning that when you have a balance on a credit card, you pay interest on the interest. So they've charged me interest and now added that to my balance and now I'm gonna get charged interest again, even not just my principal, they're gonna charge me interest on the interest they charged me from last month. So now they've added, let's just say $11 in interest to my balance. Now I'm gonna get $11 in interest plus my principal 
added again to more interest next month. And it'll go on month after month after month. And it takes you forever, as I said, 13 years to pay off a $2,000 computer. Now you're gonna pay $1,600 more than the computer costs in that 13 years, because again, it's a smaller debt. But imagine if this were a $10,000 debt or a $20,000 debt that has that kind of interest, how long it will take you. It's bad debt because it is taking, it's robbing you of the ability to invest. Second reason is bad debt is because the average person is not gonna have the computer in 13 years. Most people, once the computer is gone, will stop paying for it. If I can't use it any longer, I'm not gonna pay for it. So it's bad debt because it makes you leverage your future. Here you are saying that I know what's gonna happen in the future and I don't care, I'm gonna just jump in and get this debt. You've got to get out of bad debt. I'm gonna I'm just say that part right there and then I'll get to the use good debt, but I wanna give opportunity for my partners if there's something they wanna share about the, you gotta get out of bad debt part of this uh, first piece of this principle. Yeah, I'll say something real quick. Um, Dwayne helped me earlier this year to get out of some of my bad debt. I didn't realize all the things like the double interest. It's just like they're, they're kind of cheating you, but you signed up for it, so it's your problem anyway. But I think it is just very important to get out of the highest interest payment credit cards you have first, get pay them completely off, get them down, get them out of your uh, circle and cycle. Um, but yeah, so I'm still in the process of getting all my debt cleared, all my bad debt anyway, and in the process of using good debt to create more wealth. So uh, I just want to encourage everybody out there to just start, start getting it down. Um, and so you can get on the right path. That's good. Yeah. And uh, Dwayne, I think you broke it with the last top example from Best Buy, I think was such a great example to put things in perspective for people out there, because I don't think a lot of people realize that paying the minimum payment and the statement balance are two different numbers, right? That's right. I, um, I take pride in like, never having a late payment i pay my payment in full statement every every month right but um when i tried explaining this to a friend right they were like that doesn't make sense right it says i just need to pay this much right you know the app will just tell you the numbers they're not going to show you the the compounding interest working not in your favor right something we're going to talk about on this podcast a lot is compound interest working right. in our favor That's right this is literally the reverse right so um i i really like that example of you breaking it down i encourage everyone out there if you have issues with your credit cards right just chop them up right start paying with cash start using something um you know with when you have money in your pocket and you're actually exchanging it you have that feeling of losing something whether with the card you're just swiping you're just swiping you're just swiping right it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere so for anyone who struggles with this I encourage take a pause on your credit cards until you really get a handle of it. Once you get there, start being responsible with it. Whatever money you use, you pay it ASAP. I'm, I'm not going to be one of those people here that come on a lot of these uh, finance topic uh, podcasts and say credit cards are the devil. Don't no. use them because no. I use them all the time. Right? right. I use them all the time. You know, I like how, you know how to use them. Exactly. You just need to know how to use it that's the that's the issue and unfortunately we weren't taught that in school or right. by most of our parents so we're trying to help you guys out <laughs> yeah this is this is critical because um we're talking about the debt part right now and when you start thinking about 
um, what debt could do to your future, the money that you could be investing in something that's going to make use good compound interest to put more into your life, you're stressed out every month trying to keep up with these payments and you don't understand the, the monetary system. Everything in this world is a system. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm a 54-year-old man. One of the things that have been my strong suit in life is that I study systems. I will never, ever get myself overly involved in something that I don't understand the system. Because whoever created the system got the power. When you create a system, for instance, credit card is a system, again, because it uses compound interest on the debt. So when I get you trapped, I'll give you a scenario. When I went to college, this is, I hate to say this, but this is not, these for these guys were even born, 1984. When I went to college, as soon as I got on the campus, the first thing I noticed in all of the halls was applications for credit cards. We were all 17, 18 years old and applying for credit cards. We were getting MasterCards. We were getting store, department store credit cards with no training. We had no training. I had nobody in my family system that taught me anything about the importance of if you're going to have credit, how to handle it, how to pay it off. So we're getting approved for 400, 500, 600, and $1,000 limits on these cards. And we're just shopping because it's free. And if you come out of impoverished backgrounds or didn't have a lot of extra money and someone gives you this opportunity, forget the fact that you've also got student loan debt to even get you in the college. So you've got the student loan debt that you're building, you've got the credit card debt that you're building, and you haven't made one dime on a job yet because you have not even graduated to go get the job. So when I graduated college four years later, I already had student loan debt, and I had credit card debt and some of it was not in the best shape because I didn't understand the system. So it's very, very important that you understand the sooner, the better. Why would you give 13 years worth of money to a credit card company for a computer that you've made no money on? You've used that computer to get on Facebook, get on Instagram and look at what other people are doing while you continue to pay. So we're saying, the first principle part of principle number one, get out of bad debt. Now, the second part of it is use good debt to build wealth. So what does good debt look like? All right, so I own a home and I decide that uh, right now, because this is the facts, the fact is the Fed and the U.S. Treasury are working together to make sure that the housing market booms. And... I mean, I don't know how much people have heard recently about what they call Fed tapering and the, all this that's been going on since the country entered into the coronavirus pandemic. But when the coronavirus pandemic started, the federal government, the Fed, not just the federal government, the Fed, which is the central bank for the United States, began purchasing $120 million a month in treasuries bonds. And so, but part of those were mortgage-backed securities. So when you look into the detail, because I'm a systems person, when you look into the detail, you will see they were doing two things every month since March, since April of 2020. They've been propping up the stock market and propping up the housing market. So 
Now they make an announcement. We're going to start tapering. And the same day they make their announcement that they're going to start tapering, the Treasury Department comes out and announces it's going to start issuing less and less long-term bonds. Now, what's, what, this seems like, well, it's just coincidence. No, this is a clear group working together. Now, why would they do this? Because, number one, when you are issuing bonds, the government issuing bonds, you're actually selling bonds because you're trying to get the money from people who buy them so that you can fund the government. So what are they funding right now? Buying these bonds on a consistent basis. They're propping up the stock market. Why? Because they can't afford for the stock market to tank. Second thing, the mortgage-backed securities, they're propping up the housing market. Why? Because they can't afford for it to tank. So getting back out of it, they're making sure to leave those protections in place. So now, if you go down to your bank, you own a piece of property, you go down to the bank and you say, I want to get another piece of property because I want to use this as rental property. You're going to find interest rates are extremely accommodating. Anybody looking for property anywhere in the world, you're going to find interest rates are extremely accommodating and they're going to keep them that way because they can't afford to let the housing market crash. So good debt is you going down to the bank, getting a piece of property, putting a tenant in that piece of property, letting the tenant pay your mortgage, letting the tenant pay your insurance costs, letting the tenant pay all the things that need to be paid on the property and you still have a little bit left over every month to put in your pocket while they pay down your mortgage. This is using debt, a mortgage at the bank, to build my wealth because every time my tenant pays and I make my mortgage payment, the equity in the property increases, which in essence increases my net worth. So this is using good debt. Now, I, I said a whole lot of stuff there, but the bottom line to it is we are in a stage in the U.S. economy where they're supporting the stock market and the housing market. Since they're going to support it so strongly, I'm not going to fight the system. I'm going to work the system and I'm going to consistently get mortgages and things of that nature and keep a mortgage on rental property because the government, when it's tax time, is also going to reward me if I have a mortgage on rental property. So I'm going to use the housing market to be good debt so that I build wealth and keep wealth in my life. Now, I said a whole lot there, and I apologize if it comes across uh, too technical, but that's the best way I could put it. This is good debt. I don't know if you guys, if I didn't throw too much out there that way, you guys like to jump in and say something about that part using good debt. It doesn't have to be the mortgage. It could be anything, but using good debt to build wealth. No, you crushed it. You crushed it, man. I, I, I learned a little bit from, from you just now. Uh, more of the story, guys. Don't go don't go uh, using uh, a, a loan or a bank to go buy that fancy new vehicle. Go get yourself you know, uh, first piece of property, get a tenant in there or, you know, you know, use that property to leverage a business or whatever, That's right. just use it for your advantage. Right. You know, take on that debt, pay it off every month. Right. And, and really, really, um, and you know, reach the rewards. Right. That's what I'm just trying to say. But, um, just, don't go buy a vehicle that you can't afford, right? That's going to depre depreciate the value. Oh, man. Houses are going to go up. Houses are going to keep going up, right? That house that you just bought for 
three hundred thousand is going to be five hundred thousand. That's right. Ten years. That's right. So, Absolutely. Really, I, Go ahead, Mark. Really, yeah, yeah. I just say a quick thing. Yeah, just about uh, the real estate side of it. Uh, I'm just lucky enough and thankful for my dad when we uh, bought a property, and I learned that whole kind of process when I was marketing to get a tenant in it. The same exact thing you were saying, uh, using that good debt and buying the house and renting it out, and they're paying the mortgage for you. And then the real hack is when you, they're paying a little bit more, so you're actually making money off it while building equity in your home. So it's just like a, a life hack with real estate that um, everyone should be doing if they're trying to build a, a wealthy life. So just piggyback on everything you said, it was just perfect. I learned some things just like Aiden said. You just said so much that was so valuable. I really hope people rewind that back and really take that in and start implementing that so they can start building their wealthy life. Yeah, there's something that I learned a long time ago. Everybody is buying a house. You're either buying one for yourself or you're buying the one for your landlord. But everybody is buying a house. And I think sometimes um, people think, man, it's just too much to have the hassle of having to. I mean, you can put things in place where you can get a management team if you don't want to manage. But you've got to have bigger vision. If we're talking about building wealth, you're not going to build wealth from your job. You can work your job and take some of the extra money at your job and put it toward things that are going to bring you passive income like stocks or real estate or things of that nature. But your job was created to keep you just ahead of the cost of living. It's not there, there is no job in the United States that's going to make a person rich. And the reason is every time we get an increase on our job, we increase our lifestyle. So I got a $10,000 a year raise at my job and now I get a better apartment to live in or I'm driving a better car. You just start spending it. And so when now you get your raise, your raise is just a little bit above the cost of living. So you don't really get to see the full benefit. That's the way job, that's the system of job. Job, if a job made you rich, you would leave them. They don't want you to leave. They need you to, they need you to be so excited that you're getting that $75,000 a year that you start spending 74,000 of it a year. Because now, since you've raised your life up to 74,000 a year, you can't walk away from them so easy. So you've got to be thinking about the future while you're making your, your moves today. And using good debt to build wealth is one of the ways you think about your future. Well, I'll tell you what, while I'm working this job, I'm also down at that bank and I'm getting that money. I'm gonna leverage my credit, I'm gonna get this money to buy this other piece of property. And before you know it, I've got four pieces of property, five pieces of property, six pieces of property. Not only now am I funding the life I want now, I'm using this extra money and I'm preparing myself for the life I want in the future. And so it's very, very important. Uh, so you use good debt to build wealth, but you gotta get out of bad debt. And so we, we, we gave you good examples uh, there on that part today. And I want to get to part number two. Part number two is you have to establish good credit. And we're talking about getting credit scores of 750 and above. You got to establish good credit. And uh, I, I like the word establish because it doesn't matter where you start, uh, but you got to establish good credit. Now, there's two things that I'm going to say to start off with relative to good credit. First of all, you really got to understand, and I'll use it because you got several of these, but I'll use FICO score for an example. You've got to understand how your score is made up because if you don't understand how the system is judging you, how can you qualify? How can you qualify for um, uh, the thing you want 
if you don't even understand how they do it. Now, I'm going to cast a big umbrella for a moment, and I'm going to I'm going to make this general statement. The reason your FICO score is critical is because it determines your interest rate. I want to I, I want to break it down to just that. I, I mean, we, I could talk so many different little things about a FICO score, but I want to tell you the biggest thing as we learn the monetary system is that the FICO score determines the interest rate and it's done by an algorithm. The, the manager at the bank doesn't decide it. The person who you know who told you to fill out the application, they can't decide it. The algorithm is going to determine the interest rate you pay on this vehicle, on this car loan, on this personal loan, on this HELOC, on this PLOC, it's going to determine it because the algorithm says people with that score pay this kind of interest rate. So you go to the car lot and you find a car and you're excited because they gave you the loan, but you don't understand. They gave you the loan based on the score that determined your interest rate. So you drove off the lot with the same car your buddy drove off the lot with, but y'all not paying the same amount because your interest rate is 17% on the car. His is six. So you're going to be paying way more for six years, seven years now than he is because your credit score is lower. So when we say establish credit, what we're really trying to say to you, stop paying that crazy interest. Stop paying crazy interest. When you go to get a mortgage, if your credit score is too low, they may give you the mortgage, but not at the same interest rate that I'm going to get it. Right. If you got scores of 750 and above, you qualify for 0% car. You qualify for 0% interest. You'll get credit card offers in the mail that say you can get an introductory rate for the first 18 months. So you're not going to pay any interest. You don't have to do anything but sign your name and you get zero interest charge for 18 months. Why? Because of the score. But that's not a score that you, you're typically most people don't start there because most people have mismanaged. And so your score is jacked up. So I'm going to give you these two things. First thing, 35% of your score is based on whether or not you pay on time. That's that's it. All you've got to do is open up your revolving credit. I'll start with that. Your credit card bill and look at the due date. And then there's a statement date. Now, this is very important. And I try to say this and teach this, but people don't typically get this. But the statement date on your credit card bill that you just got is not based upon what you get just spent in the last 30 days. Statement date is always relative to prior month activity. So... My statement date usually is after my due date. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you this example. I get my credit card statement in the mail and it says my due date is the 18th of the month and my I know my statement date is the 21st of the month. So I think that on the 21st of the month when it's my statement date, that's the date that they're gonna report me to the credit bureau and that's the date that they're gonna do my interest charge, which is true. Statement date is the date that interest is going to be based off of is also the date that the credit bureau is going to get notified of your balance. But it's not interest based upon your due date number. It's interest based upon prior month. So statement date is always a month ahead. And if you don't understand that, you're going to keep wondering, why am I still paying crazy interest when the amount is lower this month than it was last month? You're paying off prior month. If we forget all of that, and none of that matters to you. What should matter to you is that 35% of your 
uh, FICO score number is based upon whether or not you were on time by the due date. Did you pay this amount? Now, second thing that matters is that 30% of your score is based on utilization. So if I've got revolving credit, what are they doing? The algorithm for the credit card is looking to see how you manage cash flow. That's all they're looking for. They've queued it up to see, can you manage cash flow? So the 30% utilization matters more on a credit card than it does on a mortgage. Reason is because on revolving credit, when you pay it, they let you use it again. So it's revolving. They let you use it again. They want to see, can we give him a thousand dollar credit limit and he can spend all month and still pay it off? Can he manage his cash flow in such a way that he could use it or she can use it and still pay it off? So they will give you a 30% of your score based on whether or not on statement date that utilization is 30%. If it's 30%, they won't punish you, but it doesn't give you a, a score rise. If it's under 10%, that score is going to start going up and it's going to keep going up because now the algorithm rewards you by saying, man, they are crazy good with managing their cash flows. So if we're going to build wealth, we've got to get better with managing our cash flow. We got to make sure that in the budget, there's enough money that when I pay my revolving credit, I don't leave more than 10% in that balance. I'm, I'm paying it. And if you can do like I prefer to do, zero. Pay it off. Use it next month. Pay it off. But if you can't pay it off 10%, no more than 10%, this is how you get that credit score going up. And listen, if your credit score is in the 500s and the low 600s, you can raise it quicker than anybody. Because these couple changes, pay on time, and pay attention to that utilization number, keep it under 10%, we'll start taking that score up and up and up. And here's the goal, when I get a higher score, less interest. That's what this is really about, less interest being paid. What y'all think, go ahead. I wanted to talk about the credit utilization. Yes. Something, something I had to do um, while I was building my credit score. I actually had to always request um, higher credit limits, right? Yes. I'm pretty, I'm pretty financially responsible, but um, my limit altogether wasn't the highest. So it was putting me right above that 10%. I was probably like at 12, 13, right? So I literally went to every credit card company I had and I requested a higher limit. That's good. And there's times that I even had to write a letter um, just because maybe they'll approve me for maybe an extra thousand or 2000. I'll say no. I want an extra 5,000 or 10,000. I'm not gonna use it. I just wanna make sure my credit utilization is as low as possible, right? So that's another pro tip you could do to kind of make sure that um, you're not utilizing more than 10% because that is a huge factor when it comes to calculating your credit score. That's good, man. That's so, that's like so smart to say that I'm going to, at times, in order to bring that utilization number under 10, I need more available credit. Because again, it's just how much am I using? If they give me $5,000 more, it automatically brings my utilization down. I don't know if you want to say something on that, Malcolm? No, not much. I just want to say, Aiden, that's a gem. So I'm glad you said that for the people. <laughs> I, I, I realized that, but it took me, it took you saying it just now to really um, make me understand, like that's an easy way 
to make your utilization go down. So I'm just glad that people heard that. Yeah, I didn't have much on that. Y'all killed it. Yeah. yeah, and what's critical about what he's saying is they're not going to give you the 5,000% uh, percent. I mean, $5,000 increase on the uh, your credit limit unless you're keeping your payments on time, unless your score is justifying. They don't do favors down at the credit card company. This is based upon an algorithm that says, yeah, you deserve it. However, it's interesting from what Aiden said, sometimes you deserve it and they're not offering it unless you ask for it. And I think that's very good to know when you're working strategies, this is what, what I like about what Aiden shared is it shows me that he's involved in his credit. You can't uh, raise your credit score or establish good credit unless you get involved. You first got to know what's on your credit report. So you got to get a credit report and you got to get all three of them. Now, I personally use Credit Sesame for a long time, and I've recommended people. I'm getting ready to do actually a video comparing Credit Karma to Credit Sesame just to show people what's better and, and what. But you need somehow to be able to know what's going on on Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax to get the scores from all three so that you know, because they're all going to be different scores, but you know what's there, what's not there. You know whether you've got collection accounts or don't have them. You've got this card showing up not. Someone's filed a judgment against you or you had a bankruptcy a certain number of years ago. Whatever it might be, get in your detail. You can't establish good credit until you see your credit scores and come up with a plan to approach how am I going to deal with here what's here and get this score up. I just gave you today, 65% of your score is payment on time and credit utilization under 10%. If you can do those two things consistently, you're gonna see your credit score go up. You guys have anything else you wanna to add to that before we go to the next point? Nah, Good yeah. deal, okay, good great. deal. Our, our third point principle of why we're talking about the wealthy life is that you've got to implement an asset accumulation plan. Now that's just a lot of big words to say, you've gotta make up your mind that in order to put wealth into my life, I gotta buy assets. Assets put money in your pocket, liabilities take them out. So I gotta buy assets. Now there's several things in asset class that you can be buying. You could buy stocks, you can buy crypto, you can buy artwork, you can buy real estate, you can buy bonds. There's a lot of other things. People, you can start your own business, but you've got to have assets that put money in your pocket this is how you're going to get to a wealthy place uh, i recall my own story when i was extremely young um, i attended a seminar at the time by a gentleman who's gotten in a lot of trouble but at that time he was the man his name is ed beckley and ed beckley was teaching people how to buy real estate with no money down I was so intrigued by it. In, in this day, there was no uh, YouTube and all that kind of stuff. So I had to actually get the tapes. I went to a seminar, I bought the tapes, I brought the tapes back home, and I listened to tape after tape, took notes, took notes, took notes. And I made a decision that I was gonna buy property with no money down. Now, when we said no money down, I was willing to go as far as putting $500 down to get a piece of property. What I did was I went to a real estate agent and I spoke to the agent and I said, you know, I'm looking for properties that are for sale by owner. 
uh, before it gets in the hands of a real estate agency or anything like that, that they're willing to make a deal uh, directly with an owner. And she, for whatever reason, was so uh, willing to work with me. And she had people that were coming to her real estate agency to actually get them to list the property. And she would say to them, are you interested in, um, by chance, maybe financing it to someone direct? And when people said yes, she reached out to me. And I would go view those properties and negotiate directly with the owners. I did this multiple times where I negotiated with an owner who had a piece of property that they wanted to sell. And I would say something to them like this. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you $500 down and I'll pay some figure a month. It could be 600, 400, whatever it is, a month on the property for a certain number of years. Then I'll give you a balloon payment or I'll pay a certain amount of money for the years until I pay this debt off. And most often through negotiation, I was able to resolve and get those deals done. And so I have multiple pieces of property in my 20s that I was able to negotiate just this way with no money down. Now, what was I doing? I was increasing my wealth, my net worth, because I was getting those properties in my name, in my life. These people were making decisions to say, we'll let you uh, take the deed to the property and we'll have a mortgage on the property. I'm increasing equity with every payment. Then I'd rent those properties out to people and they would pay the mortgages off for me. And I still to this day have a uh, stubbornness in me about buying property. I looked at a piece of property on today and I still have this mindset that says, no, I'm just really not willing to go to the bank to buy a piece of property. I'm going to find the owner who is going to let me explain this to them in a way how it makes sense for both of us. But either way, what I'm doing is I am setting myself up for building wealth because I'm getting a piece of property. I'm getting stocks. I've been doing stocks for 26 years. I'm investing in stocks. The reason is I'm going to use what Aiden said earlier. This is compound interest in the stock market. I reinvest my dividends and let my dividends make me more money. And you just keep doing it, whether it's artwork or whether it's a business, whatever you have, you've got to have some vehicle that allows your money to compound so that you can get beyond what your job is able to do for you. That's what I like to start with beginning uh, for this third one. You've got to implement an asset allocation plan that's going to put that money in your uh, life. What you guys say about that? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I think it is important to definitely have assets. Uh, I got my real estate license two years ago. So that's when I kind of really dove into knowing about uh, having an asset and uh, instead of buying liabilities, having something that's going to bring money in instead of take money out. So I think that's basically, yeah, probably after mindset, the first step you need to start realizing you need to do to actually build wealth. So, yeah, that's all I had to kind of say on that one. Yeah, definitely assets over liabilities, right? And a lot of people think that has to just do strictly with, um, you know, stocks, right, or real estate. But watches, like Dwayne said, and um, there's collectibles out there, gold. There's so much assets, right, that you can invest in. You just got to find the one that works for you, right? It doesn't have to be stocks because some people might not, you know, like stocks, right? But there's crypto, there's real estate, there's watches, there's action figures, there's collectibles, there's gold, there's baseball cards, there's things that just appreciate and value that if you're patient enough, you have it, 
you hold it, put it in a safe somewhere, right? And that's something you pass on to your kid or something that you'll use um, down the line a few years from now. That's good. That's real good. And it's just important that we uh, we do it. We got to get started. And here's the benefit. Uh, like you're getting to see a guy in his 50s and you see somebody, I think, Aiden, you, how old, you 30? Uh, 29, 29, not there yet. Not there yet. And uh, and, uh, Malcolm is even, Malcolm is still on Similac, but I think he's like, (laughs) but 25, getting started is the key. If you just started my age, you got to put a lot in to get a lot out. But if you start at their age, if you're watching this and you're in your 20s or your 30s, you can't afford to play around checking out while you're experimenting trying to figure out what you want to do in life find some asset to invest in while you're playing around figuring out life whether you want to do this career that career whatever be investing somewhere uh it's important i know aiden you talk a lot about uh the importance of ira for somebody young why do you think it's important for people your age to be doing iras oh yeah (laughs) that's right up my street (laughs) um you know, a lot of people think that like the 401ks is enough, right? And I, yeah, I signed up for this 401k at my job that lets me pick these target retirement date funds, right? And they just kind of leave it alone, forget about it. The RRA is super, super, super important, right? Because um, once you finally do touch that money, you don't have to pay taxes on the growth, which which is a big, big plus, right? That's different than the, your 401k, your traditional 401k at least, right? And then with the Roth IRA, what I really like about it, you could pick what you invest in where the 401k, usually your job, you're limited to what they have to offer, right? And also on top of that, starting in your 20s and your 30s and even in your 40s, like I don't want to discourage anyone out there, you give yourself more time for the for the money to compound. And um, you can look online, there's studies, there's graphs, that people who start early as possible and invest as little as $10 a week in one of these accounts versus someone who starts investing $100 a week, maybe 10 years later, the person who started just a little bit earlier who's investing less always comes out with more just because their money has more time to compound. That's good stuff. You know, it's important. It's something that I say in the asset accumulation. I I make recommendations. I say that you need to have foundation in your portfolio. Foundation to me are those things that you know are going to win. Before you get into the risky stuff, like I was talking to someone recently who right off the top, they have no real investments. They're going all in on Shiba Inu. And I was saying, hold it, hold it, hold, hold up, hold up, hold up. I could not slow him down. He's already got the account set up and he's trying to just go big because I can get in now, man. It's, I, man, this guy made $5 billion on Shiba <laughs> Numa. He, he invested 8000 and made five. I said, that's not you. You're not in early enough for that to be you. I said, but 75% needs to be foundation. Now for me, when I say foundation plays, I have VOO. Uh, as a foundation play in my portfolio, along with Apple, Microsoft, and McDonald's. Those are my four foundation plays. I've been in them extremely long time. Uh, all four of them pay dividends. All four of them have seen major appreciation. All four of them are going to be around forever. 
Now, then that gives me the ability when I hear of a of a EV market starting to say, I'll take a risk on Tesla. I'll take a risk on an Amazon, this thing that's coming up, and I'll take a risk on an Amazon. You know, I'll take a risk on Ethereum or on a Bitcoin because my foundation is set. If Ethereum tanks, it's not going to make me broke because I've got too much in VOO, Apple, Microsoft, and McDonald's. That's the foundation. So you don't play with all of your money on the table. You have got to have something in a place that's solid. VOO is not going to go up by $1,000 this week. It may go up $5 today, $1 tomorrow. It may drop a 50 cent. But I'm telling you, if you watch it over the year, it's going to be making 15, 16, 17% in great years. This year's 20 some percent. You're going to see it happening that way. You're going to invest in Apple and Microsoft. You're going to see these things consistently go up. They're going to have stock splits where you're going to get extra shares. And it's going to go up again like Apple did. You're going to invest, I did, in a McDonald's. And McDonald's is an inflation killer. So when you buy McDonald's, when inflation is high, people are still going to McDonald's. I don't know if you've been there lately. They don't stop going because inflation is up. They're still getting their burgers and fries. Uh, and so you buy it and you watch the stock increase almost $50 with high inflation. But more so you buy it for the dividends that you're going to consistently get every quarter. They're going to keep paying you a dividend and you're going to just keep buying more shares with those dividends until I get a certain age and I'll say stop buying shares with those dividends and send me the checks and I'm going to live off the dividends instead of living off the principal. This is the smart benefit of getting a foundation in place and then once your foundation is in place you got the, the opportunity to take greater risk uh, with other things because the goal again is to build wealth. That's what we're here for the Wealthy Life Podcast exists to expose you to information, expose you to people, expose you to opportunities that's going to allow you to break with bad financial habits and build, live, and sustain a wealthy life. Well, the last one of these four is living authentically uh, because for real, for real, you got to get out of bad debt, establish good debt. Uh, or use good debt to build wealth. You've got to establish good credit. You've got to get your asset accumulation plan in place, but you got to live authentically. One of the things that's hard to do in life is to succeed being somebody other than you. You've got to really connect with who you are, what you like, because a lot of that will determine your risk tolerance. When you start connecting with who you are, it'll determine. Like there's certain companies you may not invest in because you don't believe in what they do. Uh, and so you want to find things that connect to you, things that you can be passionate about. They're authentic to who you are. You don't connect with things that totally oppose who you are, mishandle you, mistreat you. Now, you look on this uh, monitor and you'll see three black men, three black faces. And I'm telling you, just from my perspective, um, that to me says a lot to me because again, not that it's exclusive, but it says to me that as black men, we believe you can lead a wealthy life. And every week when you tune into this podcast or you listen to us, you're hearing three black voices, men that are telling you 
what you can do. That matters. That matters to us that we're able to do that. We're not uh, three people wasting our time, being bad examples and throwing our money away and no, we're talking stocks, we're talking real estate, we're talking crypto, we're talking investing in our own businesses, we're talking buying houses, uh, we're doing these things and we want people who look like us, who sound like us, to be doing those same things. Not exclusive to that, but we definitely want that. These are things that, for me, they matter as far as living authentically. I don't want to succeed and see everybody else who looks like me fail. I want to see as many people who look like me do well like I'm doing, like these two gentlemen that are my partners are doing as well. And so living authentically matters. I give it to, to you guys to see what you feel about this living authentic. Yeah, I think it's just true to be yourself. Just like you said, everybody else is taking already. So you might as well be yourself. And you, you will literally feel better when you're authentic to you and you're not faking it. and You're not trying to be somebody you're not. So it's, it's just going to last you longer in the long run. And it also help your mental health when you finally come out your own shell and mm. just be yourself and let people accept you for who you are. Because once you do that, the right people are going to come around and everybody else is going to fade away. So. Uh, that's really what I got to say on that. I just started that journey earlier this year to truly just be myself and let whoever comes around be around. Whoever doesn't like it just fade out of my life. And I think in the long term, I'm going to be more happy. And I think everybody that follows this is going to be more happy long term because they're mentally being themselves and not to think about trying to please everybody um, and be a people pleaser, but just to stay authentic, just like we're preaching to you guys. So That's good. Yeah. Just like Malcolm said, you're going to feel a lot better once you stay true to yourself. And kind of like that last part, you say, you just can't be a people pleaser. You're, you're not going to please everyone. It's just impossible. There's way too many people in the world. So just be true to yourself, right? Um, the way to apply it into investments, right? If you do not want to invest in a company just because maybe um, they're not green enough for you in, in terms of like trying to make the world a cleaner place, that's perfectly fine. And it's going to feel a lot better to make that investment in that company um, that does apply to your morals, right? That does want to um, make the world a cleaner place, whatever the case may be. So um, be true to yourself. Um, for my younger folks who are like coming out of high school, right? It's definitely going to take some time. Definitely took me a while to really find my identity and find out who I really am. Not trying to feel fit certain molds or fit certain crowds, right? Once you get to a certain age, you kind of decide who you are, right? And kind of like Malcolm said, people who want to be around you are going to come around. You know, you, you don't need to please everyone. So, so just stay true to yourself. It's going to make you feel a lot better, right? And it's going to just drastically improve your mental health, just exactly like Malcolm said. That's really good. And I, I didn't think as much about the mental health aspect of it as we're seeing a lot of people having mental health challenges in the age we live in. I think sometimes we don't realize when you get up in the morning and you've got people from all over the world accessing you through social media, so many people are overstressed because they're trying to please all of these people. Can't even put a post up without a bunch of people criticizing what shoes you had on or, you know, critique. So you so people want to have this perfect view of themselves by other people people and if you're going to live authentically you got to like i don't care what you think i'm not doing this for you yeah. i'm doing this for me i liked this outfit that's why i wore it i didn't wear it to please you i wore right. it because i liked it when i looked in the mirror i liked my hair that's the reason why it looks like this you got to get to that point 
to where you're just not living based upon the cues of others. And so I'm, I'm glad. We're, we're glad today to have had the opportunity to share these four main principles that the Wealthy Life uh, podcast is based off of. These things are the things that you're going to be seeing us wrap so much around in the coming weeks and months. And um, we want you to come on a journey with us. We're living wealthy and we're building wealth at the same time. And so it's very, very important. Wealthy is not just money. That's why I didn't use the word money as we were talking. I'm, I'm speaking about wealth as it relates to the whole life. And so they just mentioned mental health. That's a part of wealthy. You can't be wealthy if your mental health is broken down. And so wealthy involves money, but it's not exclusive to money. It involves a lot of things. Sometimes the reason why you want to be wealthy is so that when someone else has a need, you're able to supply what's lacking in their story. And so we're excited to be here uh, to share um, the Wealthy Life podcast with you. One of the things you're going to find here on a consistent basis, you're going to find us here first and foremost, but you're going to find that we're going to be bringing people on the podcast that are going to have something to add that's going to expand your life broaden your perspective on something, but more than anything, it's going to be something to equip, to edify, to strengthen you on your journey towards wealth. I believe everybody can do what we're talking about. We haven't said anything here today that not everyone listening to us or watching us could not go and do if you set your mind to it. Now, what we want you to do in the comments uh, for this video and in the description of this video, if you're happening to catch this as a video on YouTube, you're going to see how you can connect with us individually and how you can connect with Wealthy Life Masters, which is a uh, discord. Where we're just helping people to build wealth. Everything that's posted there, whether it's a video posted or comment or whatever, it's simply about a journey. We, I personally have taken it as a personal challenge for myself to help 30 million people around this globe build, live, and sustain a wealthy life. That's a big number. But listen, not when this world is so easily reachable. It, I, I, when I learned the other day that you are two people away from every person in the world, two people oh. away from every person in the world. There is no one you can't reach. So I want to reach 30 million people. This podcast is going to help us reach 30 million people. We have a Discord server. Individually, the three of us have things that we're doing and participate in to expand our reach with this kind of mindset around the world. And so we're excited to bring this to you on today. What I want to do now, I want to give an opportunity first for my partners to give a wrap-up closing to you, so a word of encouragement or whatever they may want to share with you, and then we'll come back with our last announcement and we'll be done with this for today. I'll start with you, Malcolm. What's the last thing you want to share with our listeners today? Yeah, I want to just circle it back to the quote we talked about earlier. It's uh, he who says you can and he who says you can't are both usually right. So just know in your heart that you can. Just believe in yourself and you'll be able to make anything you want happen. Uh, you can reach out to me on social media at bmalcolm 21 on all platforms. Uh, I may not have all the answers, but I know I can point you in the right direction to somebody who does. So my DMs are always open and I look forward to connecting with everybody. That's good. 
All right. Go ahead, Aiden. Yeah, guys. So you guys can follow me on Twitter on The Money Avenger. Um, where I'm going to speak about finance, trying to help people. Same as Malcolm, you can always reach out to me. Even if I don't have the answer, I'll point you in the right direction of that person who has the answer. I just want to say, um, for those who watched the entire video, thank you for joining us. Catch us catch us with more videos, more podcasts. We're going to have great special guests joining us. And then I'll let Dwayne kind of close it out for the day. All right, man. I'm so glad. Um, I'm, you don't know how honored it is for me to be connected with Malcolm and Aiden, uh, because I know uh, when, when we began talking about doing this, uh, all three of us were very passionate about the end result of what we believe would happen for people if we do this. And uh, we're giving up of our time, time that we could be doing other things to create this type of content for you. And we're excited to do it again. You're going to be able to connect with us in the comments for this uh, or the description for this video. And if you're listening to this, if you simply look where uh, your this uh, podcast is being hosted, you will find ways to connect with us there as well. We are excited to share this with you. And I'm telling you, we've got some people coming on the podcast, regular, ordinary, everyday people who are making it happen in the areas in which we're discussing. And we're doing that because we want to inspire you. We're going to share great things, uh, great insights with you. And we're going to see you grow like we are building, living and sustaining a wealthy life. It's been our absolute pleasure to share with you on today. We look forward to connecting with you again the next time. Our words to you is be wealthy too. Be blessed.